Hello, and welcome to the Swift Hat. I'm Kate the Swifty. I'm not so swift Sam, with oh. a big old smile on my face. Oh boy, I feel like you are in rare form today. Hey, if you would have told me two weeks ago, you're going to get real excited when you start recording your podcast in two weeks, I would have said probably Sure, maybe, but today I'm very excited. You mean you're not excited every week? No, I'm excited to see you. I'm excited to see Jason. I'm excited to spend time together. Not excited to talk about Taylor Swift, but here we are, and I'm excited. Taylor's been all over the news in the last, like, since we've been together in a couple weeks. I know. Some 50-year-old white man said Taylor Swift doesn't write her own songs. And then someone decided to crash into her in an apartment building, I think. A drunk driver, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thought it would be a good idea, just... Drive right in. She gets pressed like every other day of something. Well, and there's like a whole theory that there's a shelved album called Karma that we've never seen that's left in the vault. When is Karma coming back to claim the toll on Taylor? Well, April's coming, so there's almost an Easter egg. Ooh. (laughs) Maybe we'll get Karma for Record Store Day. Oh, I thought something was coming out on Record Store Day. She's releasing an exclusive Record Store Day record. Just to independent record companies. But you don't know what it is? No, it's a surprise. Of course it is. She probably <laughs> just went into a record store with an audio recorder and recorded a record store. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But I don't know if she'd put that on vinyl. We can see it on cassette. Yeah. A-track. <laughs> the fan theory on the record store is that she is finally releasing the Lover Deluxe album. because we have That's the only one we haven't gotten a deluxe of. Lover and she's got Deluxe. Lover merch out for Valentine's Day. I'm wearing my Taylor Swift merch today. Yes, you are wearing a brand new sweatshirt that says Swifty with a <laughs> registered <laughs> logo on it. Trademarked. I was ready. I came home and I was like, oh, I have a package. And a couple, but here it is. Here it is. All Swiftied out. Dolly Parton came to Taylor's defense this week. Oh, boy. So in the LA Times, this singer... I guess, songwriter, artist, whatever we want to call him, Damon, bear with me, Albarn, said that Taylor Swift doesn't write her own songs. And the reporter that was interviewing him goes, well, she co-writes some of them, but she writes her own song. And he goes, "Mm, we all know what co-writing means. Taylor did not take that well and tweeted at him (laughs) and was like, I write my own songs. This is ridiculous. And then followed it up with, P.S., I also wrote this tweet. But did we? was there video on either case? Is there a video of her making the tweet or a video of her writing her own songs? There's plenty of videos of her writing. I'm just saying, there's are no you, video. Are you questioning? And so Dolly Parton put somebody on blast? Yeah, Dolly yeah. Parton got interviewed about it because Dolly Parton's doing a Duncan Hines line of cake mixes. <laughs> <laughs> so they were talking to her and she was like this is ridiculous taylor's a great songwriter i'm glad she stood up for herself i'm so it's been a big thing in the news and something that's just i don't know if there's been a lot of publicity about her involvement in this yet or what her stance is going to be but my big thing lately has been one now that you brought up lover why would you instead of calling it lover deluxe would it be like lover xxl like magic mike sequel sidebar more serious note the amount of uh people pulling their albums off of Spotify because of the Joe Rogan thing. I understand that Taylor's involvement with Spotify and downloading music was very prominent a few years ago when she was like, oh, all artists should get the same amount. But with this new wave of people pulling their material, I'm interested to see how she feels about this. 
because we have Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, there are other prominent artists that are saying we're not going to be involved in something that promotes misinformation. Well, so I think this is a little bit of a slippery slope because, yes, Joe Rogan has some questionable thoughts and opinions, but, you know, he gets the same kind of constitutional right to say whatever he wants. And so now we're saying, okay, but we want Spotify to censor podcasts. No, I think it's an incredible hole that's being dug and there's, there's good, good pious moments. And there's also on the other side of it, you know, I'm standing my, by what I'm allowed to do and what it's right by me. And this is my business and that's fine, but it's becoming such a, stirring the pot situation i mean i'm still in the like if you think joe rogan has crossed every line possible that's fine don't listen to him you don't need to and is he putting out misinformation yes <laughs> but we had i mean he has the constitutional right to say whatever he wants it's the same as like lyrics mm -hmm. you know so there's some artists there's some rap artists that say some really raunchy stuff you just don't listen to it if you don't want to you know, or if you, if they say something or if anyone says something on an album, you don't have to believe it. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of like in a similar vein, that's the same thing. And it's, and I was watching something the other day and it reminded me of like when the PMRC complained about lyrics, explicit lyrics on albums, they've eventually just put a warning on it. And that's kind of what you need to do now instead of having, oh, okay, you know what? Because there are all these explicit lyrics, we're going to go and tell Columbia House, Warner Brothers, every record company out there, they have to shut down. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen. And it's not going to happen with Spotify either. Yeah, there's going to be some artists that are going to bounce. Yeah. But do you know how many million other artists there are out there that'll cover that loss? It's not a big deal. Right. And I think if, if Rogan does just apologize, which I think he did, and they put maybe some stamp of this might have you know, questionable or explicit language that should cover it. And that's my two cents as your producer. Well, also, I mean, not to state the kind of obvious, but how big is Joni Mitchell and Neil Young's streaming footprint? Like you're not seeing an Ariana Grande or a Taylor or a John Mayer or One Direction. You're not seeing any of these more contemporary artists pull their stuff off. Because it's big business for them on Spotify. Like, that's where people are listening. And so, yeah, I mean, you're going to have, I think it's interesting to see them take a stand like this, but also how much of the stand are they taking? Like, how big is their audience yeah. on Spotify? How much are they, like, pulling back? They've already made their nickel in their heyday yeah. of touring and releasing albums all the time. And this is kind of just a residuals in some way, yeah. new avenue for them. It's also funny that... Uh, Neil Young, 20, 30 years ago, was interviewed and someone was asking about Cortez the Killer. He's like, and these lyrics right here, and you're talking about Montu Picchu and these things. And Neil Young stopping this interview being like, listen, I'm just writing words. I wasn't alive during this. There's no way to say. I wasn't doing historical research. I was writing a song. Like, there's, I can't tell you why Cortez and Montu Picchu and these, I was just trying to write words. That's it. I mean, this whole argument for me jumped the shark when Harry and Meghan Markle were like, we don't agree, Spotify. <laughs> like, what? what? They need to get their two cents in. But hey, so what song are we listening to this week, Kate? We are in the debut album, Taylor Swift's album, Taylor Swift. And we're doing Tied Together with a Smile. Ooh. Oh, Is so this excited. a country? Yeah. Was it a hit? 
No. Well, I guess we're going to get into that soon. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready to see if this smile fades off my face as we tie Taylor Swift back into the Swift podcast. <laughs> you know, I actually never know from one week to the next what you, what you two are going to very much dislike or only slightly care. <laughs> are you ready? Oh, we're ready. We're going to take a quick pause, everybody. Feel free to cue up this song or don't. <laughs> we'll be right back. The pure look of joy on your face right now is concerning to me. (laughs) Oh, Kate. Isn't it funny, Jason, how sometimes you talk about things and then it comes back and you're like, oh, word, let's talk about this. So, Kate, let's talk about this song real quick. I actually don't know I want to. (laughs) (laughs) Should we go back to the Spotify conversation? So speaking of conversation do you want how do you want to do this because i there's so many ideas in my head right now and i am so in it to vin it i'm in it to vin it why don't you give us the lowdown kate as to what the song is about um so this (laughs) (laughs) i'm nervous this is the first time uh for all our uh ear viewers out there or as they say uh the eye listeners um kate and i are recording this looking at each other for the first time for the first time in i don't like it 24 episodes yeah yeah so i don't like it mm, i love it i I, think this is great battle royale 48 hours ago i was an aspen (laughs) can i go back we'll give you a month um so this song is actually written about a friend of hers in high school And this was a popular girl, pageant queen, did a lot of like, very pretty, very outgoing, very well-spoken. Taylor was like, I want to be friends with her. She seems so nice and so pretty and so fabulous. And they actually did become friends. And then Taylor learned that she had a pretty serious eating disorder. And she was like, you're enough. You're good. You're loved. Like, you don't need to do this to yourself. You're perfect just the way you are. You don't have to keep putting on these airs. Which is a really funny thing that this was the beginning of her career and how she felt when she found out that her friend had an eating disorder. And then you fast forward to the Miss Americana documentary, which I believe turned two yesterday. And she came out saying she had a pretty serious eating, not pretty serious, but she had an eating disorder. And she really struggled with food and body image and all of that. So it's interesting to see how like when she was so young, she was like, no, you're perfect. Like, why would you do this to yourself? And then the world took its toll on her and she ended up there. And how quickly your mindset can switch because you're not quite thinking about why you're doing it. You're just doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And how she had to like, she still struggles with it and has to say, we don't talk to ourselves that way. And this is not the problem. And you, you need to get through this. Yeah. uh, She had, when writing this song, she was quoted as saying, uh, I always thought that, one of the biggest overlooked problems American girls face is insecurity. We're doing so, research now too. Look so at you. listening to this uh, song, which I uh, really enjoyed, that it's one of the shorter songs. Four minutes eleven seconds, but within four minutes eleven seconds, I'm looking at these lyrics. I looked at one little blurb as I was scrolling through, and then I, I then I fell into I fell into the rabbit hole. So I want to talk about this song before I destroy everything. I really. Uh, lyrically, I was enjoying it. For me, tied together with the smile, thinking, okay, debut album, Young Taylor, it's kind of like the bow on the present or whatever. Like, what am I getting into? And then realizing, oh, it's about somebody who's literally falling apart 
smiling to keep themselves together, yeah. going through this internal struggle and someone else being on the outside being like, I can see you are breaking. Please, you don't need to do this. Uh-huh. You are amazing. Yeah. And of course, uh, having that, you know, the one of the biggest problems facing young American girls definitely is insecurity uh-huh. because look at how the the dynamic of women has changed uh progressively in 40 years of like this is going from uh little Susie homemaker to tr- let's women can be anything in the workforce to we have to break this glass ceiling to the next thing to the next thing everything that I'm overlooking well and social media and social media this is the time that from an incredibly young age you're not going through the internet you are on the internet Mm -hmm. you have a fingerprint that the whole world could see if they look for it and you're validating yourself by how many likes your posts get how many likes you have how many friends you have people are commenting on your photos but people are also like you look at a kardashian so to speak and you know you're looking at their photos and how perfect they look and then you find out that they're photoshopped or facetuned and then you're like, well, do I need to do that? Do I need to, is that how you maintain the standard? Well, you find out afterwards that these touch-ups have been done. So you see yeah. something that is like, this is the epitome. How can I ever reach? I'll never look like that. My skin tone, my hair, my this. So you try and you try and you try for this unachievable, yeah. fictional thing. But well, it's viewed as reality. And then you find out that you know all of these celebrities have had like a little work done or they've done this or they've been photoshopped to look more like this or this has been smoothed out and you don't really know what's real anymore and i can't even imagine being a teenage girl looking through the world in that lens and then putting up their pictures and trying to be figure out who they are in a world where your validation comes from how many people like your picture yeah it's incredibly difficult and stressful and i you know i've gone through my own thing but the idea of being at this age now and being on the other side of the lens on it, it it must be incredibly daunting and heavy. Well, and there's no awkward stage anymore. No. And there's also nothing like there's no shame in getting a touch up or, or doing something that you will help you. It's when it keeps compounding and it becomes the obsessive and it becomes second nature. And so you're, you're limiting what you're eating. Or there, the- yeah. Or there's no shame in getting some work done if that makes you feel better. Yeah. But there is shame in lying about it. If you feel like you can't be honest about it, then you really need to think about why you're doing it. And I think uh, for a lot of us, that's kind of our problem with the Kardashians mm-hmm. is one, you're famous just because you're famous. Yeah. And two is like, you've had a lot of work done and you're like, no, no, it's, it's just my like, lip, lip boosting glass. Yeah. It's not. It's not. <laughs> and like, you're telling these girls that, they're not good enough. They need to look like you, but you don't feel that you're good enough and you keep putting this out there. And so it's just really kind of scary. I can't even imagine what it's got to be like to be a parent and try to navigate your kids through this because what do you say? Yeah. I mean, remember when we were in middle school? <laughs> oh my God. Yep, I do. Like, I, thank God there's no, like, I couldn't even match an outfit. <laughs> I wore a school uniform. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy to me to think about what these kids are going through. They have to dress just right. And is this appropriate? And you're like, wow, where are the braces and the pimples and the bad haircut? Yeah, yeah. 
Where is it? Oh, yeah, my 13-year-old son is getting acne on his shoulders and face. Just get him some Stridex and have him eat yogurt and just be like, yeah, deal with it. Put a little toothpaste on at night. You'll be fine. It's character building. Yeah. They're missing out on the character building. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, we, the uh, what was this? Uh, the ugly duckling, I feel like, does not apply anymore. You have to be swan from day one. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine? Oh, today. Like, you don't get to just roll out of bed, like, dressed however and go to school anymore. You have to do your hair and do your makeup and pick your outfit. It's oh, a lot of work. You have to have more than one outfit? Oh, man. It's almost like Bama Rush all over again. Bama Rush. We're going to, what's it called? The boot store? The belt store? Pant store. Pant store. <laughs> There's rushes just happened again on TikTok, but I've spared you guys. Let's, let's not wind her back up into <laughs> that. I'm just, you know, I had to throw that in there. It's for okay. Her. I'm so far behind on TikToks right now, guys. You're good. I got Sorry. nothing. Hey, Winter Olympics is here. Kate is in her season. Curling. Curling is back. Jamaica is back in the bobsledding team. I was in um, Park City last week. And did you know that you could actually pay and go down the Olympic bobsledding track? Did you? No, we left the day opened, <laughs> but also I watched Cool Runnings to prepare to go bobsledding and I was all in until it crashed, which, but then watching their heads knock down each like inch as they got to the, <laughs> to the part where they stopped, I was like, you know, I'm good. I'm good. I could see you though taking that hit and then picking up the sled and walking. I could see you being like, "I'm finishing this." What? Who? Me? Only no. in a bobsledding situation. <laughs> Only in a. <laughs> no. <laughs> so maybe, maybe next time I'm in Park City, maybe, maybe work myself up to yeah. it. You got this, Kate. You got this. But I was all wound up about it for a week. I was like, "I'm going to go bobsledding. I'm going to become a bobsledder." Mm-hmm. Well, this, this podcast today has gone off a little bit. Like, I mean, I think it's it turned into a therapy session for the last like 15 minutes, but <laughs> now we're talking about bobsledding. Uh, what did Taylor Swift's fans think of this track? They, I mean, it's this is early, early Taylor. So first album, people are kind of like, she doesn't really have the fan base Swifty. She actually performed it in her reputation tour for like the first time in 10 years. And the crowd was pumped. And then we found out that she was in the middle of struggling with her own eating disorder. She performed it and kind of gave a pep talk where she was like, you are enough. You are great just the way you are. Like, you need to learn to love yourself. And there was some speculation that she was actually giving herself that pep talk and did it there with the fans to kind of get some approval that she was clearly craving. So she was being like an evangelist in a way. Yeah. And... When we go to her tour, when she tours again, guys. I have not committed to doing anything outside of the studio with you. Yet. That's not true. I mean, whoever commits to being a hostage. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I really be taken captured this week? Let me see what my, let me check my day book. You said you'd come to drag brunch with us. Drag brunch is much different than going to a concert. Truth. Because I can eat and uh, be entertained and leave within a short period of time. But driving to a large venue, s- sitting in a, in a s- bubble with 30,000 screaming Swifties. <laughs> and no catering. And, and Sam. <laughs> uh, uh, 
that I'm not yet sure I'm appeal that appeals to me yet. But let's see, we got we got uh, 175 more songs at the moment. We don't know what record of, store day is going to bring as of today. There could be karma. Did you know? So there's a lot of speculation that her next re-record is going to be Speak Now, and because Swifties are Swifties. They did some digging and they found an old interview with her where she said she'd written 40 to 50 songs on Speak Now, which means this could be, I mean, we thought 30 with Red was great. We could get 40 songs on Speak Now. Is there a song called Speak Now? Yeah. So could we do a twofer with uh, the No Doubt no spe- uh, Don't Speak? Is that next week? Possibly. I'll have to ask the writers of this podcast because the writers today definitely did a weird job. What? This is what I want to get into. Oh, boy. We talked about the, what's his dodo bird, saying that Taylor Swift didn't write her songs. Yeah, I think we should just call him dodo bird. I don't think you should get any more press off okay. Taylor. So, dodo bird. <laughs> uh, is it like Jonas? Jonas and dodo bird. Dodo bird says, oh, yeah, we know what it means to co-write a song. Mm-hmm. This is one of those songs that was co-written. and By Liz Rose. Liz Rose. Who's, who's a... She stopped collaborating with Taylor, I think, after Fearless. She did 17 songs with Taylor. Hearing this song, I was like, this doesn't, it's very young Taylor, it's this, but like, I don't feel like she wrote this on her own. And then I looked at it and I was like, okay, she's a co-writer. And then I clicked it up and I was like, oh, I know where I want to go with this conversation now. So Liz Rose uh, has written a lot of her songs, including... All has too well. Co-written. Has co-written. I Let's will be very co- clear. Taylor writes her credit own is songs. a co-writer. Co-writing. Co-writer. With Taylor, including all too well. Uh huh. White horse. Teardrops on my guitar. You belong with me. Like Grammy winners. Good singles. And now like reviled back at number one. All too well. Taylor's version. Different. So I think with all too well and Taylor hasn't come out and said this, but the general consumption is she writes these songs that are long and Liz Rose would come in and help her bring it down to an appropriate length of time. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I don't know this to be gospel, but I am fairly certain that Taylor writes and then somebody comes in and edits her down. Mm -hmm. And I think absolutely she had a co-writer on her first album because she was 16 and there's not a record company that's going to be like, here you go, little 16 year old release your song. Who is this Mozart? Get out of here. So yeah, I think she absolutely, absolutely. Liz Rose worked with her right Mm -hmm. up till fearless. When she got through fearless with speak now, she decided she wanted to write the entire album by herself Mm -hmm. without a co-writer. And I feel like that stands the test of time and that stands on its own. And to question the co-writing part of this, to question that she had somebody help her write her biggest hits without being in the studio, without knowing what she was doing, without being a fly on the wall. And then to have all of her collaborators, Jack Antonoff, Aaron Dessner, come back and be like, you aren't there. Like, who do you think you are to question this? The Beatles co-wrote all of their songs. Yeah. (laughs) No one's out there. I think I saw some stat and I didn't find it for today. I didn't. But it said, of all of the recorded Billboard Hot 100. 100s, only 22 of them were written without a co-writer. Sometimes a co-writer acts as an editor more than ju- more than actually physically giving you words. Mm-hmm. And 
that happens in almost all art forms, whether it's you're a writer, you go and have an editor edit your, you know, autobiography or whatever you're writing. Uh, when I was managing an art gallery, you're basically editing the photographer's work to find the best work. And when I had to publish a book for an, an artist, I had to edit, you know, they had their dream book that needed to be three inches thick and 500 pages. And we like said, look, you have like 90 great photographs, A plus photographs, and this is how it's going to go. And, and that took forever. But, you know, because the artist is your worst editor. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're married to everything that you do. Mm -hmm. Taylor, photographers, writers. They're all married to the same, you know, to their work. And it's, it, the editor is really how, you know, turns it into gold. That's my theory on that. But I think I may have cut you off, Sam. I'm not sure where you were going with, like, she had a co-writer on all these great songs. So... Uh, and this isn't, this is not me trying to chop you off at the knees. And this isn't me trying to start a battle with you because both of you are making excellent points uh -huh. about the. I feel like I'm going to get really angry in a minute. What do you got? Both of you are making excellent points about the function of a co writer. Uh -huh. And yes, the artist is the worst editor. Uh, kill your darlings, kill your babies has been a yeah. mantra of many artists where it's like, yep, you have to be okay to like. Some some jokes don't land. Uh -huh. This is something you tell me all the time. Yeah. And I'll be like, yeah, they fly the heavens because, you know, I'm a comedy yeah, genius yeah, 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 and these yeah, yeah. are great. But you have to learn, like, some things don't work. Let it rest or things need to be repolished. The Taylor's version of All Too Well yeah. is still crediting her, Liz Rose. So the we went from the cut. Which Taylor's version of All Too Well? Let's look. I'm going to look, too. It is the, the 10, 10 minute. minute. Well, Okay. She's credited on that. So I can understand if she had originally made this 10-minute version, Liz comes in and cuts it down. So if it's the extended 10-minute version and she's still credited, it just makes me think, okay, so her function wasn't just as an editor. This is somebody who is helping to write these songs and polish things up. And like, let's change these words I don't here think you can speculate on this at all. You're not in the room. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that... Trying to take away her achievements on this. No, this is so again. This is me. I'm not chopping you at the knees. I'm kind of are. This is an attack. What I'm saying is, it shows me that her function isn't just as an editor. I don't think it does. If the woman, uh, the co-writer, wrote some lyric or passage on the first song, and it's also on the ten-minute song, of course they're going to be a co-writer, right? So what's the problem? I, I don't understand no, why you're there's, wound up there's, about this. There's no, there is no problem on this. What I'm saying is in this one song, it's like, okay, so she went from this version to this version. Liz is credited on this. There are other songs that she's done that Liz is credited on as a co-writer. We have Dodo Bird saying like, oh yeah, there's somebody writing these things for her. Which is basically what you're saying. No, it's not. What I'm saying is this person's function has helped her in many a song. And she's also done this for many different artists. I think it's it's an interesting because if Liz is credited as a co-writer on this song because of one lyric in the original version, sure. That's why it would transfer to this version as well. Because if there's that part that's still in the 10-minute song, yes, of course. It would be interesting if it wasn't. 
because maybe she helped her with the full thing and then they brought it down. And now that it's back, there's even more, there's even a little bit more Liz in this version would be interesting. This isn't me saying Liz wrote the song. I don't understand. Like, I, I'm sorry. I don't understand the point you're making. I think it's funny that we're talking about somebody saying there's no way she writes her songs. And then I find, oh, Liz is a co-writer. And then I'm looking on these songs being like, this is interesting, though. I'm not. This isn't shaking my finger being like, uh-uh, I agree I, with Ditto Bird. I, I think you're straddling a fence here. I don't. I really don't understand what's happening. You're we, saying, we knew she had co-writers. Yeah, this yeah. is not. This is not new that we knew that she had a co-writer. We knew that she worked with Liz Rose. I don't understand why this is such a point. It is not a... Because it sounds to me like you're backing up this guy no. and you're taking away from her achievements no. on these big songs. I think it's interesting that we're talking about this is in the news and the song we're talking about today has a co-writer and now I'm like, oh, she's been... She has a fingerprint on several of her songs. This is interesting. Let's see where it goes. And they've been, for the majority of it... Uh, Number ones or Grammy nominees or Grammy winners. This That's song right here factually is factually inaccurate. Factually inaccurate. This song right here is number seven. It's not really like the fan favorite, but when it came back, they really got back on board. And for me hearing this, I'm like, this sounds like really adulty and co-wrote the whole album with her. This okay. isn't just like a pick and choose. Like I really don't understand why this is a big deal to you. This is boilerplate, Kate. I find it interesting that there is a co-writer on these songs because maybe that's why I can hear one of these songs and be like, oh, I can see why that makes sense now because of my own askewed view of Taylor Swift and her writing abilities and her voice and these things. So Taylor Swift has a co-writer for you to say, oh? No. I'm saying, oh, because we're talking about Dodo Bird saying she doesn't write her own songs. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, there's a co-writer on this. And... Maybe that's why I'm hearing this as like a 16-year-old saying like body image and this is tough and there's somebody on the outside being like, I can support you in this. Like you don't need to fall apart. You don't need to hide it from the world. An incredibly mature thing to do at 16 or 15 or wherever she's writing the song. Oh, an adult is helping her get these words out. Cool. And then seeing like, okay, she helped with teardrops on my guitar. She helped with all too well. Cool. I'm not against you on this. I don't know why you think I'm sounding like I am. I find it strange that we're talking about a Dodo bird saying she doesn't write her songs. And then I'm like, oh, let's talk about a co-writer. Because it sounds to me like you're saying the only way her songs are good is when she has a co-writer. No, 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 no. I know she wrote Shake It Off all on her own some. She, I don't think she did. Oh, boy. Okay, uh -oh. so... We're going to have to change the mics next time because you guys can't stare at each other because I think <laughs> this is where the tension happens. Or maybe this is a good thing. I don't know, folks. I just, I really think that you're coming at this from a, like, you're literally saying, yeah, you know, the guy's kind of right. She doesn't write her own songs is how this is coming across. And I'll repeat it again. That is not what I'm saying. I, I found it very interesting that we're talking about this guy saying something. And then I was like, oh, Sam found that she's got a co-writer. Let's look up this co-writer. Oh, this is an interesting topic. Let's talk about this. It's just, I think Sam thinks it's interesting. I don't think he's uh, defending the other gentleman that's accusing are making these accusations about Taylor Swift and her ability to write songs. And as a Swifty, you know, it is your job to be, you know, defensive when someone throws this out at you, but I think it's going to be okay. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Um, we should move on from this. Okay.
because I think you're wrong. Sure. You can think I'm wrong. And I think I'll have a lot of support on that. So, <laughs> uh, And just for the record, Teardrops on My Guitar and White Horses, which won both Swift and her a Grammy Award for Best Country Song. So she's got two Grammys, her and Taylor. Congratulations. I Okay. You belong with me, nominated. Point you're trying to make you is. <laughs> so Jason, what else is there? <laughs> Could you keep beating this drum? White horse, this dead white horse? Yeah. Let's roll the dice. I'm done with this conversation. I'm All really right. annoyed. <laughs> this is the last ep- no, this is the last ever episode. Well, we're So is it a shake or is it a off? Is it a bop? Is it a flop? I think the song is fine. I don't really have an opinion. I have zero opinions on it only because it's it's again her first album. Lyrically, I didn't think it was anything special. I've heard better lyrics in her other songs and her uh, newer albums. It's because and, she had a co-writer. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more into the pop version of Taylor. Although I do like the country, you know, she kind of had this uh, like wide open spaces. The chicks, AKA the Dixie chicks. Um, <laughs> it had kind of like a feel to it that I liked. But other than that, you know, I'm, I'm impartial. Uh, I really liked the uh, guitar outro, outro solo twang. I it was just like, yep, I can dig on this riff. I get the message behind her song. I can dig on that lyrically. I agree with Jason on this. Composition wise, yeah, it's not my favorite version of Taylor, let alone country. It is a fine, fine song. Fine. Yeah, Six. The, the message was great, and mm-hmm. it's and yeah. it's good that artists can put out albums or songs like this to help other people dealing with you know issues like this is a heavy issue to deal with when you're young so if you could have support from artists that's that's a bonus well and i think it's interesting to see it tie back into her as an older more established human that she's also dealing with things that 16 year olds are dealing with in her late 20s early 30s it's interesting to see like she's telling people it's going to be okay and you can get through it but it's also things that she deals with and it makes it relatable and it makes them feel less alone which is a nice like bow on the package tied together with a smile. smile. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do we want to do speak now? Don't speak. Do we want to wait till the re-record comes out? Do we want to just roll the dice? Do we want to pick a song that she wrote on her own? <laughs> Man, you're going to get slammed for this one, bud. Hey, every rose has its thorn. You're going to, this is going to come up. You're going to, this is going to be a thing. You're going to get hit hard okay. across the board for this. Okay. Koala brain wasn't starting to fight, just starting a conversation. Nope, just again, another male saying Taylor doesn't write her own songs. Next week, I'm going to just turn your mic and you face the wall. <laughs> yep, yep. Hey, I'm, I can't wait to hear someone edit this together to say, Sam said that. It's not on there. It's not on here. I'm aware of what I said. It's going to be on TMZ. TMZ. Breaking Sam news. said. <laughs> Portsmouth bad boy and not so swift Sam says, Taylor don't write no songs. Portsmouth bad boy? Portsmouth. Eh? Portsmouth eh guy. Let's roll the <laughs> dice. Let's roll the dice. <laughs> you ready for this? No. Six. Reputation. All right. Seven. Oh, we're doing So It Goes. So It Goes. Yeah. It's a co-written one. Is that okay? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen 
uh, guys, gals, non-binary pals, listeners out there, this might be the next big uh, episode because will Kate and Sam ever reunite? Can Jason pull this show back on the tracks? Is our unseen, unknown co-writer tearing us apart? We, for the record, do not have a co-writer. We do not have a co-writer. Nor do we have any writers. No. Although many have offered. Many have offered. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that either. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's dialogue needs a punch-up real quick. Kate's a little too pro-Swift. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode number 24. Can you believe it? 24. 24. We had our first real fight. Mm-hmm. Look at that. <laughs> Uh, feel free to vote online who won the argument. We obviously know. Uh, Jason. <laughs> feel free to stream us on any platform. Review us. Mm -hmm. Rate, review, rate, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, follow us on the Instagrams and the socials and the whatnots. We're going to start making new content on that soon. Yeah, we keep saying that. <laughs> if, you, if you hear this now, wherever now is for you, we've probably done at least one more thing. So congratulations. Hopefully. Uh, we'll we'll be back for episode 25 as long as we don't murder each other in the interim in between <laughs> hopefully <laughs> as always thank you to our producer jason we'd be lost without you you're welcome uh thank you taylor <laughs> for giving us thanks content. liz rose thank you liz rose and taylor for giving us content to talk about thank you to dobird for uh putting me in this place and thanks dolly parton for telling sam he's wrong as well dolly Anything you say, I'll listen. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Swift Talk. I'm Kate. I'm not so swift. We know. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Goodbye and good luck. Good luck.